1: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You
2: know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show podcast.
0: What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year for 2005. I believe this is the only set of the president's federal taxes that reporters have ever gotten a hold of. Uh, What we have are these two pages front and back from the same 1040 form that you might have filled out when you file your taxes. Um, And in terms of what's on here, let me give you the basics. Um, Aside from the numbers being large, uh, these pages are straightforward. He paid uh, $38 million, looks like $38 million in taxes. Uh, He took a big write down of $103 million, more on that later. Uh, If you add up the lines for income, he made more than $150 million in that year, mazel tov. Uh, We got these pages. We got this document today from a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist who's better on financial matters than almost anybody else in the business. His name is David K. Johnston. Uh, These pages turned up the other day in his mailbox. David will join us live here in just a moment. Um, But because nobody has had the president's taxes before, we didn't know what to expect. Um, When we showed this 2005 return to the White House to ask him if it's real, uh, we sent this over to the White House tonight, and the White House responded basically with, yep, With all of that, the concerns about whether he's going to be self-dealing in his tax policies, concerns about whether he might have lied or misrepresented his own financial circumstance during the campaign, concerns about whether or not he might have misstated things to the FEC. With all of that, there looms over all of this the big national security worry, right? The big, almost existential worry. The greater concern, the worry that this president may be financially beholden to an individual, to an institution, a country, and now that he's president, we won't know if he tries to use the resources and power of our country to pay off that entity to whom he is beholden. We can't know any of that without getting his tax returns. That's why presidents release their tax returns. That's why there will continue to be unrelenting pressure to find Donald Trump's tax returns, to expose Donald Trump's tax returns. And that pressure will remain every single day that he remains as president, unless and until he releases them, the pressure will never let up. And that's why somebody has decided to leak a portion of his 2005 tax return, which is how and why we got it tonight. And I am sure it is only the start, but it's a start, and our little piece of it We just got it. We'll go through it next.
1: Breaking news now. Here's Sean Hannity. All right, the big takeaway from
2: our top story today, journalism is dead, and we have an information crisis in America that is so deep and so profound, and this is only the latest example. This epic fail by NBC News last night and this morning, they found Donald Trump's taxes from 05. And he paid thirty eight million dollars and he paid more in terms of a tax rate than did the corporate parent company of NBC. And he paid more than the Obamas by a long shot. And he paid more percentage wise than Bernie, more percentage wise than the Obamas, more percentage wise than did Mitt Romney. We'll get to that in a second. Also, the latest on this debacle rollout of what is now becoming a civil war with regards to health care and, of course, the deep state, no evidence whatsoever that the Russians and the Donald Trump campaign colluded and tried to overthrow an election or throw it Donald Trump's way. None. And it keeps getting reported as what's happened last night. Look, there's a part of me that just was bursting out Laughing about seven thirty ish last night, Rachel Maddow tweets out, "We've got Donald Trump's taxes." Lawrence O'Donnell follows up. He's like, "This is what we've been waiting for." I'm like, "Okay, what's going on?" I text a few people that I know. Uh, I start getting to the bottom of it. I never watched this network, but I turned it in, tuned it in last night, and I don't think I laughed any harder than I have in ten years because there was zero there there. I mean, nothing. I mean, you know, so what we have, and this, is, this goes to the heart of what I have been trying to communicate here. This is a real, clear, present danger to our democratic republic. We have a freely elected president. And we have a news media that lies with, with absolutely no qualms whatsoever daily. We've got a deep state. We've got shadow government holdovers, Obama holdovers, you know, basically saboteurs breaking the law almost daily to weekly all in an effort to undermine and delegitimize the newly elected president. And that's what NBC News did last night. And I called it what it is. This is now a political jihad against the Trump administration and the same people that collaborated and colluded with Hillary Clinton And couldn't believe that Donald Trump could win. And then when it happened, they've gone into a deep state of of shock and denial. And now they're trying to overthrow a president that you elected. Now this, and I got to tell you, this is also a new low. Bill Binney was on this program. We've been telling you about privacy issues. This could be the end of privacy as we now know it in America. And that should concern every one of you. Bill Binney. 32-year veteran, National Security Agency, 32 years of his life dedicated to protecting our country, becomes a whistleblower because he says every single text, every phone call, every email you send is being gathered by the government. They have these meta storage centers in places like Utah and elsewhere around the country, and they hold on to your information and can literally find it in a matter of minutes. That's pretty dangerous. That's a little over the top, then you add WikiLeaks to it, and the idea that you know all of this stuff, all these tools have been developed, and then you 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 question whether or not the deep state, maybe some of the the career bureaucrats or the Obama holdovers now I'm being very careful here. I, I have great respect for intelligence. It's a necessary tool in an evil world, and we do have many enemies, and it is a tool. To gather, to use, to know what people are plotting and planning and scheming. I get it. But when you use it against your own citizens, then we've got a big problem here. Anyway, so you you have these Trump haters over at NBC. I was very interested to see what Matt Lauer would do this morning. And he ends up covering this story. Now he's tainted by it. It's the entire news organization of NBC. Just like the entire news organization, if you want to call it that. Alt-left propaganda. What I say, alt-left, these are radical leftists in the media colluding with radicals like Obama and Hillary. That's why I call them alt-left propaganda. They don't tell the truth. They spin whatever lies that, that they're, the people they worship, that they want elected, tell them to spin. You know, You know, destroy Trump media. They want to destroy him. And you see it every day. And it's gotten worse by the day. And all of this should concern you. You know, you've got last night, we've got our hands on President Trump's 2005 tax returns. Now, just on the surface of this, and she claimed that it, and by the way, if you get the information, she's protected as a journalist. There's no crime I don't see or hear, although some suspect, I talked to a couple attorneys that suspect there could be issues with this, but we do have laws 26 U.S. Code 7213, it it shall be unlawful for any officer or employee of the United States or any person described in the section or any officer or employee of any such person or any former employer or officer willfully to disclose to any person, except as authorized in this title, any return or return information. In other words, your private tax returns are are supposed to be secret. And, Rachel, no, Donald Trump does not, by law, have to reveal his tax returns to anybody. And after the way you tried to tear this thing apart last night and spin this in a way that is absolutely dereliction of duty and void of any integrity whatsoever, why should he release anything? I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't give one single page out to any of you in the media. And whoever it is that got a hold of this. Now, perhaps it came from within the deep state. Perhaps it came from somebody associated that does Donald Trump's taxes. Perhaps they lied about where they got it. The guy that said he found it in the mailbox. But the way they spun this conspiracy is beyond anything I've ever seen or heard before. Now, anyway, what they did. whoever released this committed a felony. Just like the leak on General Flynn is a felony. Just like all the other intelligence leaks, intelligence leaks are felonies. You understand laws are being broken here every single day. Anyway, what did we learn after all? By the way, that would be a $5,000 fine up to five years in prison. That kind of felony. So the White House revealed before they actually came out with this, they were anticipating its release. Okay, so what did we find? Donald Trump in the year 2005 paid $38 million. $38 million on 150 million dollars in income later we'll tell you what the next show after Rachel Lawrence O'Donnell they actually the things they said about Melania that should take somebody should notice what they said last night and really did nothing to correct you know we've been reporting on all of these deep state actors where did this return come from okay now it's one thing a lot of some of you will say well, well Hannity you you reported WikiLeaks I'm, I'm not saying Rachel Manow doesn't have a right to report it. But we do have a right to determine who is breaking the law in the deep state. We do have a right to know which intelligence officials, probably a very small percentage, probably high ranking, that are purposely trying to hurt the president on a daily basis. And this is part of that deep state that I have been talking about. And I told you how weeks before Obama left office. He altered Executive Order 12333, which allows the widespread sharing of the raw data collected by American intelligence agencies across 17 government agencies. Well, that's an additional 16 agencies and their employees who gained access to top-secret intelligence they never had access to before. Now, why would they want that? They'd want that because that means they could probably hide whoever is leaking this stuff. And that then, therefore, becomes a problem. But what we're seeing here is far worse, and this is now a clear and present danger that has emerged to our democratic republic. It's threatening our country. We have people within our government committing felonies on a weekly basis. Saboteurs trying to prevent President Trump from doing the job that you, the American people, elected him to do. And aside from his taxes, when you take a look at all the other leaks that have been going on, it's, it's fairly substantial. You know, now we have deep state actors breaking the law, releasing the president's taxes, wanting to destroy him. It wasn't bad enough that Obama used the IRS as a weapon against conservatives and and took the criminalization of political differences to a level we would never seen before. Now, the sad thing is, as NBC thought they had a scoop last night until it didn't take long to figure out that the parent company of NBC paid a lower effective tax rate than Donald Trump in 2005. It didn't take long to figure out the Obama's paid a lower rate than Donald Trump. It didn't take long to find out that Mitt Romney had paid a lower rate and Bernie Sanders had paid a lower rate. I didn't see any deductions for underwear like the Clintons used to use in in years gone by. Old underwear that they deduct on their tax returns. So that's not really the issue. And when I said last week that the president needs this purge of the deep state, I never mentioned U.S. attorneys. I was talking about those leakers in the intelligence community and now maybe within the IRS. And as I said, these leaders of the propaganda destroy Trump media. They'll do anything at this point to take down this president. That's a problem. And I've given you so many examples of this. We're going to continue this. Our other top stories today, the latest on this disastrous rollout in the Republican Civil War over health care and much more. And no evidence at all of any collusion with Russia. Wait till I tell you the Russia connection they tried to spin last night on this tax story.
1: Still waiting to fly out all those libs who promised to leave if Trump were elected. The jet is ready.
3: This is the Sean Hannity Show. Prices are for base buildings only. Do not include windows, doors, or accessories. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build to grow your business, call General Steel today. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building if you call now. For example, a 40 by 60 foot building is still less than 25000 even an 80 by 150 foot building is under 99000 Imagine 12,000 square feet for under 99000 This building is designed for your needs. No wasted space. And you get the General's quality and 50-year structural warranty at a price you can afford. You can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction by calling General Steel today. As much as half. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. Call now. 877-81-STEEL. It's not too late. Call 877-81-STEEL. That's 877-817-8335.
2: You know, I love Twitter fighting myself. I really enjoy it. And uh, my buddy, Michael Cohen, who is the president's personal attorney, doesn't work for the administration, you know, calling out Joe about saying this morning. What did he say this morning exactly? Do you know, Linda, that Trump might have released it himself?
4: Yeah, he
5: basically is saying that Trump leaked this himself to uh, make it look positive. And Michael Cohen, who's counsel to um, the Trump organization, is saying that it's not true.
2: You know, I I don't even know what to say. Was he going to go after liberal? I mean, he's so jumped the shark now. He's so out of it at this point that um, it's it's borderline pathological. You know, one moment he's kissing up to Trump and and kissing his ass, and I know because I talked to Trump once about it. And then the next moment he's like schizophrenic. He wants to keep his job on uh, on that NBC network of his. It is the a single worst television show I've ever seen in my life. It is God awful. And I, I don't even know what to say. You know, Fox kills it. CNN kills that show. I mean, I'm like, what is it? And they create this perception that people watch. I've never seen a show in all my years in cable, now 21 years of the Fox News channel. I've never seen a single show that gets such horrible ratings as his that literally nobody watches well the important people watch it that's their argument the important people watch it that's our excuse for not getting a mass audience um well it would actually be better if everybody that you can possibly get watches your show ratings and revenue usually dictate whether or not you keep your job if 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 that was the case for him he would have been long gone you know i'm going to tell you what the little secret is and i know this for a fact Joe, Liberal Joe, thinks he's presidential material. Liberal Joe thinks, well, Donald Trump won. I can win. Liberal Joe imagines himself in the Oval Office. Liberal Joe does not have the temperament to be a president, a congressman, for reasons we will disclose at some point, or not even a dog catcher. Liberal Joe... I mean, there's just so much out there about this guy. I, I, I have so, such self-restraint. All right, we'll get back to our top story, story on the other side of this. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. All right, epic. The C, top F, A, I, L. All right, sorry. Just taking, hey, liberal Joe, you kissed that Barack Obama's ass enough. Do you still lie and say you're conservative? Are you proud of, M- at NBC News and the epic fail? Last night. Blah blah blah. Perfect. I have zero characters left. Bing, tweet. All right. Uh, you know what I love about Twitter, Linda? I just love it. I just I think it's like the most fun you can have, you know, fighting these idiots and not wasting any really great airtime. So I see Michael Kohn is all over Liberal Joe. Liberal Joe, is he proud of what NBC News did last night? You know, that's how desperate he wants a job. He's had to compromise every principle he's ever had. And now he has to, okay, well, Donald Trump paid a higher rate of taxes in in 2005 than Obama did. By the way, if you actually look at the numbers, I just got this earlier today in my email. um, Donald Trump this one year may have actually paid more taxes than the Obamas paid their entire lives. I mean, in that one single year, pays a higher rate than the parent company of NBC News. Paid a higher rate than Bernie Sanders. Paid a, paid a higher rate than than uh, who else? Mitt Romney. I mean, they paid a serious amount of money. And you know, somehow this was the big big reveal last night. Somehow this was the, this was it. We've got him. We we finally have him. I have some interesting data points here. Okay, so this is what I got. The Obama total federal taxes paid from 2000 to 2015. 6179659 They paid, what, 188 or 6% in 2015 alone. And I'm thinking, okay, Donald Trump in one year paid more than the Obamas paid their entire life. And he paid a higher percentage in this big year of 2005 than the Obamas paid in 2015. And really, we're going to get lectured. Election- you see, liberals, I've always told you, they're generous only with other people's money. And the reason Joe won't go after his parent company is because Joe wants a job. Joe acts like he's all tough and courageous, but Joe wants his job. And Joe knows that it was an epic fail last night, an overhyped news development by a conspiracy network that has lost all credibility. So if you really want to get to the end of this, let's set the record straight. NBC is not a news network. It's an Obama deep state propaganda television network. End of sentence. You know, look, I mean, this, this got so out of control last night. This is what they would have you believe, which I found probably the most humorous aspect of this. So NBC didn't discover it on their own. They were going to bring on a guest that found the tax returns. They just showed up in their mailbox, which then leaves the morning show host over at NBC suggesting Donald Trump probably put him there himself. It's not that far fetched, you know. Michael Cohn, Donald Trump's personal attorney, is in a Twitter war right now. I'm just offering him a little bit of support out there because he's right. Where's your evidence? Where's your proof? Just like there's no evidence, no proof about Russia. That's why I keep saying journalism is dead and we have an information crisis in the country. They lie to you with regularity. And it's all of these news networks. Nobody paid attention to the collusion that went on during the campaign, the collaboration that went on during the campaign, because they all supported Hillary Clinton. Nobody dealt with the the deep, radical, ideological indoctrination of Obama except me and a couple of others before he got elected in 2008. There's Joe on on the White House lawn broadcasting his show during the Obama administration. Trust me, I had no such invitation for good reason because I was doing what nobody else seemingly at NBC had the courage to do or a lot of other people in the media. And it's not about me, but you got to understand, this is how they spun this thing. Like, we've got it. We, this is what we've been waiting for, they're tweeting out. Okay, so I tune in. What do they got? Well, we got his, two pages of his tax return from 2005. And and Donald Trump paid th- oh, $38 million in taxes. And, 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 oh, then we quickly found out it was a higher rate than the parent company of NBC News. But Donald Trump, you see, in 2005, in Palm Beach, owned an expensive property that he paid $40 million for, and he more than doubled his money. And then therefore, because the Russians knew something none of us knew, and certainly nobody at NBC knew, even on October the 8th of 2016, and that is that Donald Trump was going to be elected president, because they colluded, of course, with the Trump campaign, because that's what you hear on this network every single day and night. And because Donald Trump made a A and he sold the property to a Russian oligarch, somehow that then created a situation where Donald Trump was somehow beholden to the Russians because he sold this property in 2005 and the Russians knew that he was going to be president come 2017 and elected in 2016. That's that's the crap they're trying to tell you last night. I mean, I got to be honest. I tweeted out at one point last night. I said, oh, this is pretty amazing. I agree with Anderson Cooper, and Van Jones, because even they see through this crap and this this big hype. You know, I was watching my friend Geraldo; he was on with Melissa Francis on Fox earlier today. And I've known Geraldo; he's one—he's the nicest person, human being you're ever going to meet in your life. He really is, and he's one of the few journalists that have had a has had a 50 year career in New York. I mean, it's amazing his career. All right, but one of the point. One of the projects that he he was engaged in, Al Capone's vote. They were comparing it to that. There's no there there, and he has a great sense of humor. He's laughing about it, and and just that's just the type of guy. He said, the serious side of this is okay. We now have another deep state leak. We now have another attempt to undermine and delegitimize the president, and you know nobody seemed to care over at NBC News when the IRS was targeting conservative and Tea Party groups. They didn't seem to care when President Obama, he said it 25 times, he didn't have the constitutional authority through executive action to undo immigration laws. And then he did it anyway. I didn't see them complaining about him not listening to what his own interpretation of what the Constitution enables him to do as the president or the executive branch of of government. You can't just bypass the legislative branch of government. We have checks and balances, co-equal branches. They didn't seem to care. Now, you know, if it wasn't so absolutely bizarrely conspiratorial and laughable, you know, I couldn't watch it with a straight face. It was I don't think you can make an SNL skit that's even better than this, you know, trying to piece together that he sold the property in 2005 to a Russian oligarch and he. And they knew that Trump was going to be president, but NBC News had no idea he was going to be president. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch the coverage. We showed it last night on TV. They were stunned, like most of the media. And it was a funeral on the set at NBC when they had to project that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States of America. They couldn't believe it. I wonder if the the Andy Lack, who runs that place over there, I wonder if he ever sold the property. I wonder if he ever made a profit in 2005. What are they going to now, you know, what's tonight's big story? They're going to have a big NBC News investigation questioning whether or not the moon landing occurred. They're going to investigate the JFK assassination. They've got new information. They're going to investigate Abraham Lincoln's assassination. So the Russians knew in 2005 Trump would be president in 2016, yet NBC News didn't think that was possible the night of the election. You're living in... You know, this is a much bigger problem than you think. By the way, a funny story that came out today. I forget where I saw this. But, oh, the Heat Street Review of Public Records show a total of six current prominent MSNBC pundits have recently settled federal or state tax liens while one still has tax problems. Reverend Al Sharpton and then a bunch of Joanne Reed, whoever she is, uh, I guess, let's see. Chris Matthews apparently had a little problem with his taxes, and some other people that i Torrey had a problem with his taxes. I don't know if he still works there. I have no idea, but it's—really, um. Really we're going to go after Donald Trump. Donald Trump should never release his taxes. If this is the way the media is going to treat it, why should he? Why? Because he's been successful? Because he made a profit? Profit's a bad word in the mind of a liberal. Not a bad word in my lexicon. It's actually a good thing if you buy property. It's your biggest— most people's biggest investments. You know, and by the way, this Trump tax return story, it discredited the New York Times bombshell. And maybe, maybe the president needs to send NBC a thank you note because the Daily Caller points out October 1st, the New York Times had a headline that Donald Trump tax records show he could have avoided taxes for nearly two decades. Oopsie daisy. He paid $38 million. Are they going to retract that in the New York Times tomorrow morning? I tend to doubt it. Even the Washington Post recognizes this was a disaster last night. Their, their headline was the 2005 Donald Trump tax return as a nothing burger. British intelligence, by the way, is denying that they wiretapped Trump. I'm sure I'll take them at their word. Who knows what anybody's involved with in terms of investigations these days. But this obsession, you know, I go back to Sarah Carter and John Solomon. And what are we finding? There's no there has been no evidence of any collusion. And their reporting says that even though law enforcement, that there was a FISA warrant looking into any Russian interference into the the election and any ancillary search into the Trump servers, found nothing. And the same thing with the other warrant that apparently was put out. And nobody in intelligence and nobody in law enforcement will put this to bed. And the media, do they focus on the fact that the New York Times reported Trump Tower was wiretapped or... McClatchy or the BBC or any other news organization there's a many that did know they wanted Donald Trump said it well he was only quoting the New York Times I assume and it appears something might have happened in some place in some way we now have leading senators calling on the secretary of state Rex Tillerson to immediately launch an investigation into efforts by the Obama administration to sway foreign elections themselves well finally somebody's picking up what I have pointed out That, in fact, taxpayer dollars were used by the Obama administration, all in an effort to try and unseat the sitting prime minister of of what was supposed to be our closest ally, who Obama betrayed over and over again, Israel, and Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now, back to uh, Obamacare for just a minute. One of our other stories we're following today, and so you got the fake news Democratic media treating the CBO analysis of the Republican health care bill as the holy grail. I'm going to get into at the top of the next hour what a horrific rollout what a it looks like the gang that can't shoot straight they've got so many things wrong and nobody's listening to my solution my solution is get the Freedom Caucus get the study group get the vice president get the Health and Human Secretary's uh Secretary Price in there get people from the White House Reince and others and Bannon in there and then I would bring in Senator Cotton and Senator Paul and Senator Cruz and you know, Marco Rubio and Senator Lee, and, and let them all hammer this out and come out with a consensus bill that's going to work like they should have done before they ever rolled it out. And if this fails, they will have cr- done such a disservice to the president. And because the rollout was so bad, now the president's wasting all his time on on fixing the mess that the legislative branch created by not having an answer, a consensus bill, in eight years of of talking about it. Good God, it's so, it's so ridiculous to me. Anyway, so they talk about the CBO numbers being right. Well, if you look what they wrote about Obamacare, you know, the CBO said the Affordable Care Act would trim the deficit. The reverse happened. It said 24 million people would be enrolled in the exchanges by now. Well, they blew it by about 11 million. Well, actually, the total is below 11 million. They totally, they're off by, by more than half. Less than half of what they predicted happened. Despite the dismal enrollment numbers, the CBO is projecting the exchanges to cover 19 million people still by 2020 if nothing changes. In fact, enrollment leveled off last year. At best, you'd have 11 million. So they'd be off again. More likely, the program is in, as the Aetna CEO says, a death spiral. So now the CBO is insisting the repeal of the individual mandate is going to drive 18 million people to drop their coverage. Well, that's because they're not mandated anymore, number one, and they have no clue how many people will look for new solutions for health care like Dr. Umber of Wichita, Kansas and Atlas MD, which is why I keep saying to Republicans, get your act together and, and get the bill that you're supposed to have that that fosters and creates competition and free market capitalism because if you do that, then the people are going to buy the plans at the best price that offer the the best amount of care, and many people will move to catastrophic policies that that give them maybe one checkup a year, or they'll go to a cooperative for fifty bucks a month, and they can have unlimited care like in Wichita.
1: Sean Hannity.
2: We ran for repeal and replace in 2010. We ran on repeal and replace in 2012, in 2014, in 2016. Oh, by the way, we spent six months last year developing a replacement plan. We ran on that replacement plan. But these senators know that. They're not unfamiliar. This has been a long and deliberative process, suggesting that this is moving fast, going through four committees, going through regular order, saying we are going to do this for seven years, and now coming to the point we're actually on the cusp
5: of keeping our word, I hardly think that that is rushing things. The point I'd say is this is historic. This is historic and it's significant. And if we don't act, the system's
2: going to collapse. And the beautiful thing about this plan that we're proposing, it's more freedom, it's more choices, it's more markets, it's lower prices, which gets us better access. The
1: Republicans' American Health Act versus Obamacare. Obamacare is full of job-destroying mandates. The new plan eliminates them. Obamacare puts bureaucrats in control. The Republicans' plan puts patients and doctors in charge. Obamacare stucks families with soaring premiums. The new plan provides more choices and lower costs. Repeal and replace Obamacare. Tell Congressman Labrador to vote with President Trump. If the Affordable
6: Care Act, if Obamacare, is repealed, we are looking at hundreds of thousands of people... Who got Medicaid
1: extension losing that. And how many of those folks will die? How many of those folks will lose the opioid treatment that they now have? It is a lot. I don't know exactly, but it is a whole lot. But what really bothers me is that when you look at the Republican bill, it should not be seen as a health care bill
6: because throwing millions of people off of health care is not health care legislation. What it should be seen as is a huge tax break for the wealthiest people
1: in this country.
2: All right, there you hear the ongoing, well, intramural battle, discussion, debate over what I say should have been handled behind closed doors before any rollout. Now, the ad part of what you just heard was these are the ads that are now being run in the districts of, for example, some of the Freedom Caucus members as a means of pressuring them and putting political pressure on them to support the Ryan bill without any significant amendments or changes. Anyway, Daniel Horowitz, senior editor of Conservative Review, has been all over this now for weeks, and we've been following his writings. And Chris Jacobs is a senior health care policy analyst at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and the founder of Juniper Research Group. And uh, welcome both of you to the uh, program. Appreciate it. Great
4: to be back with you, Sean. Thanks, Sean.
2: Daniel, let me start with you. Let's start with the political attacks on those that want this to be more free market reform, those that are concerned about remaining taxes, and those that are concerned about a new entitlement.
4: You know, this is an unbelievable tactic we first saw with the Gang of Eight bill, where you had Mark Zuckerberg funding these so-called conservative groups to put out ads touting amnesty as border security in conservative districts. They know what conservatives want to hear. They know our talking points and our policies are better than theirs. The problem is they uh, dishonestly run their policies as our policies. They're doing the same thing here. The American Action Network is very closely aligned with leadership, with Ryan and Boehner staffers, a lot of never-Trumpers. These individuals, uh, they got their single biggest uh, check over the last number of years from Big Pharma. Big Pharma supported Hillary Clinton. Now, why would they support Hillary Clinton um, if they're a, a, a health care group? Well, it's obviously because they wanted the status quo, and this is exactly what the GOP plan does. It keeps most of Obamacare and ensures a perpetual need for bailouts. So this is extremely disan- dishonest that they're running these ads uh, passively, aggressively against conservatives.
2: You know, they're also saying it's not happening, but I've had congressmen like Mark Meadows send me the ads that are running in his district. So, in fact, they are running. Where's the money coming from?
4: No, absolutely. That That's the problem. They're coming from the big industries. It's hard to tell where this exact check came from because you know it takes a little while to document this. But in general, they've gotten a lot of money from big pharma, and that's really what this is, and it cuts to the core of what's happening. The existing business interests want the status quo, albeit with more subsidies and more bailouts. They don't want a free market. They don't want more choice and competition where startups could come and revolutionize and do to them what Uber did to, to taxis or what you know Amazon did or Southwest Airlines did. That's the vision we need to chart forward, and we're not going to do it until we cut the lobbyists loose. Chris Jacobs,
2: what's your take on the bill, and when you have all of these conservative groups – and I've been mentioning them mentioning them almost every day, the Cato Institute, Heritage Action, Americans for Prosperity, Freedom Works, Club for Growth. Then you have conservative groups, conservatives in the study committee, conservatives in the Freedom Caucus, and then you have conservative slash libertarian senators like Rand and Ted and and Lee and Senator Cotton and, and Marco Rubio. It's problematic.
7: Sure. And and we actually have a list on our website, Texaspolicy dot com comparing the House Republican plan to Obamacare. The House Republican plan keeps the Obamacare subsidies for at least two years. In fact, it it expands them. It keeps virtually all of the benefit mandates that are driving up premiums, and it keeps the Medicaid expansion. Rather than repealing all of the, the benefit mandates requiring a 60-year-old male to purchase maternity coverage, repealing those mandates would actually lower premiums. But this bill doesn't do that. Instead, the bill creates a $100 billion slush fund bailout fund to to give to health insurers to, in theory, uh, lower premiums that way. Well, subsidizing higher costs, That's that's the Obamacare way, throwing taxpayer money at a problem created by government regulation. That's not the way to lower costs. The way to lower costs is to remove the mandates and actually lower the underlying health care costs.
2: So, in other words, if you're giving money to the health insurers, you're not having a free market and you have all these government subsidies. Now, there is there are two real challenges. Let's put these on the table for the Republicans, regardless of any bill that they're going to pass, and that's how they pass it. I mean, you've got obstructionists in the Democratic Party. None of them are going to support any bill that the Republicans are putting forward, none of them. So they they go they have to use the reconciliation process but, or else just get rid of the filibuster altogether, which I guess they could do, which is called the nuclear option. And we know Harry Reid did it on, on on certain appointments and judges and so on and so forth. But so assuming they have to use reconciliation, I get the process is different and it has to be attached to a budget bill. All right. Fair enough. I understand what they're saying about a, a, a three-step process here by the time they actually get it to where they want it to be. That's a problem. The other problem is they're claiming, well, they've got moderates in the House, and they're complaining about what the Freedom Caucus is saying, although we're not hearing from them at all. They haven't complained once that I've heard. Sure,
8: I, and, and
7: I think there there are legitimate strengths with the reconciliation process. But frankly, some of the provisions in the House bill may not make it through the Senate reconciliation process with the parliamentary. The pro-life protections in the new entitlement, the new tax credit, they are quite possibly going to get stripped out in in, in the Senate process under, under the the Senate parliamentary rules, some of the eligibility verification provisions preventing illegal immigrants from receiving these tax credits, they could get stripped out in the Senate under the parliamentary rules. It is much easier to repeal the insurance regulations under the Senate's parliamentary rules that they are budgetary in nature. It's much easier to repeal them than to create new programs like this new entitlement tax credit that, that we're talking about in, in the bill. So the House leadership strategy, from a procedural standpoint, just doesn't make sense.
2: And your take
4: on that, Chris? No, I mean, Sean. I'm sorry, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, if you put together everything leadership has been saying, depending on who is doing the talking and what audience they're talking to, I've discovered four different narratives. They either say this is full repeal. Or they say we can't repeal the regs because of the process. Or they. But in, say, but in
2: but in truth, even the 2015 bill and Randis said it himself, and I I did a deep dig dive on it myself. Neither the 2015 bill nor this bill fully bill fully repeals it. So we, we have to be honest here. There's not that. There's never been that full repeal. Sure. And in and, large
4: and part. It, sure, it's— Sure. And Sean, at the time, I actually criticized it because my concern was if we ever won back the White House uh... that would be the ceiling instead of the floor for what we can do the bottom line is we're not going to have a destroyed health care system in perpetuity because of elizabeth mcdonough she's the parliamentarian she's a nice lady um... but ultimately the republican majority controls the interpretation of precedent there. And, and again, you've got to look at what they're saying. They first say that this is full repeal. Then they say process um, you know, undermines us. Then they say they're politically concerned about pre-existing conditions. And then they say, oh, wait, Tom Price will do it um, administratively. Those are four different narratives, and they conflict with each other. They can't all be true, and in my view, each one of them is, is, is not true. The reality is, since 2012, Republicans have been very scared to talk about getting rid of the insurance coverage mandates. But if you're not going to get rid of them, you will not bring down prices, and that's what CBO at its core said earlier this week.
2: Let me ask, Chris, if, if you can answer this question. Can the Republicans get in a room – do you see a possibility – that all of these conservative libertarian think tanks, that all of these different factions that are so adamantly against this bill, do you think they can hammer out a deal that is is going to be the best we can get that will improve health care, lower costs? Uh, create the competition that is so necessary to drive down costs and increase better coverage? Do you think it can get done or is this something that is going to be an impossible task and they're they're going to try and strong arm everybody and intimidate them?
7: Well, I I sure hope so. I I, I was privileged enough to to go to the White House on on Friday and, and meet with with, with Vice President Pence and, and Secretary Price, and they've been very outspoken in their outreach to conservative groups, some of the conservative groups groups you mentioned. I used to work for the Vice President when he was in Congress, and he always said that iron sharpens iron. And I think that's what conservatives need to do here, push for a, a b- bigger repeal, to go out and repeal all those insurance regulations that are driving up premiums and to move this bill in a, in a better direction.
2: All right, guys, stay right there. We'll come back. We'll talk more about that when we uh, pick it up here on the other side. 800- Nine four one Sean, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza and this program.
1: The Forgotten Man is forgotten no more. This is The Sean Hannity Show.
2: All right, as we continue with Daniel Horowitz and Chris Jacobs, Chris, I want to go back to this chart that you you put out there and, and you have Obamacare and the GOP proposal. And, you know, you go through the similarities in the different bills. It's it's a little alarming on a lot of different fronts um, when you discussed this with Vice President Pence, who's a pretty conservative guy. What did he say?
7: Well, I, I think the vice president was very open to amending the bill and, and making it a, a, a more conservative um piece of legislation. We, we certainly were outspoken. In fact, I wore a, my red tape cufflinks, this is literal government, old government red tape to the, the meeting at the White House to signify that, that we have a concern about all of these regulations and how they're driving up premiums. And I think conservative groups in, in general want to say, rather than preemptively surrendering to an unelected Senate parliamentarian, let's have that debate. Let's put these, these repeal of these Obamacare regulations in the house bill let's have the debate about doing taking steps to reduce premiums and give american people relief
2: well i think that's the thing how do you answer daniel horowitz because we can predict everything that any liberal is going to say on any topic because they haven't changed their talking points in 30 years republicans want grandma to die they'll they'll make ads granny in a wheelchair paul ryan or ryan throwing her off a cliff republicans want children to die Now, at some point, we've got to realize that when somebody is shot or somebody gets hit by a car or somebody has a heart attack and they don't have any insurance at all, they're they're going to walk into a hospital and they're going to be taken care of. What do you think the best answer is to deal with that?
4: Sure. Sure. I mean, the the enduring lesson of Obamacare is that – and this is the reality before our eyes – is that you can't regulate and subsidize your way into solvency. Granny is dying right now. There was a terrible story of a cancer patient – in eastern Tennessee that can't get coverage now, because despite all the subsidies, because of the regs, eastern Tennessee does not have any insurers left. 30% of the counties have one insurer. That's a monopoly. We're all born to hate monopolies. No,
2: let's just, we all agree, Obamacare is collapsing of its own weight. But I'm asking, you know, for the Republicans, because this is problematic. Because they now have to go to the country, and you know, the media—they're colluding with the Democrats, and they're going to they will find every person that says that they died or a family member died because of the Republicans. How do you fix that? How do you deal with those patients that decide not to have insurance and have nothing? But we're not going to turn them away because they're having a heart attack.
4: So the first thing is you got to make insurance great again. You got to make the individual market great again, and that starts with getting rid of the regulations. There's no shortcut. Uh, you have to isolate and minimize the problem. So it's a matter of. More competition, getting rid of the antitrust exemption for insurance, Um, having startups come in. It's a matter of portability. Obviously, cross-state lines have become universal among Republicans. That's an area of agreement. Tax equity between the employer market and the individual market, and then cost consciousness. So people will then want to buy insurance when they're young, just like a life insurance plan. They could hold it forever. And that isolates and minimizes the problem. But I do think we made a mistake because we stopped litigating the case against the status quo. We do have to remind people that under the status quo, even the people with the lavish subsidies will not benefit because, like eastern Tennessee, half the rest of the country will not have any insurers left.
2: All right. Great answer, I think, by both of you, and uh, really good answer, Daniel. Appreciate it. Eight hundred nine four one 941 shawn our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We'll take a quick break. At the bottom of this half hour, we'll check in briefly with the governor of Mississippi Is going to drop by. And we also have at the top of the hour what I guess anybody could just say the single biggest fraud on television, literally unfolding before our eyes last night on NBC News. And we'll tell you about that. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, shawn Your call's coming up as well as we continue. I-25 right, till the top of the hour. Our toll-free telephone number, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, You want to join us It was so funny today. Trump going after the media was hilarious. You can always see it because he points to them in the back of the room and he starts waving his finger at them and the crowd starts laughing hysterically. The media has become such a joke. And we'll get to that back to the uh, epic fail of NBC yesterday at the top of the hour with Joe Concha. You know, I've been trying for the longest time to get people in Congress— I won't even tell you how many senators, how many people in the administration, how many congressmen and women that I've tried to get to get in contact with Dr. Umber of Atlas MD. Now, I know Newt Gingrich is going to call this week because he told me and— Newt has always been an ideas person, but, you know, he's on to something that's beyond spectacular in my mind and, and creating a cooperative medical practice with, I think, five of his colleagues, and they all have about, have about 600 patients each, and it's $50 a month per adult, 10 bucks a month per child, and it includes unlimited care, and he... And negotiates directly with the pharmaceutical companies for all the major medicines that people would need, even some cancer medicines and chemotherapy medicines. And he gets a 90, 95% discount on all of those pharmaceuticals and dispenses it right to his patients and they save a fortune. So anybody could afford it, which is great news. And the other thing he does is let's say you need an x-ray or something. You get it for pennies, 43 cents, I think he said, because they give it to you a cost and it's included in your care. And if you want a catastrophic plan to add to the the 247365 coverage his practice office offers which includes stitches and exams and antibiotics and and broken legs and arms and and whatever but if you need a catastrophic plan to back you up if in case god forbid you have a heart attack a bad accident you get cancer well you can get that as accompanying coverage at a very low rate, catastrophic plans are very inexpensive compared to normal insurance, and they usually tend to have a high deductible. You take deductible you can afford. I mean, it's probably going to hurt everybody. Let's say you get a $5,000 deductible. That's fine. It's going to hurt, or a $10,000 deductible, but you may end up with a, a half a million dollars worth of medical coverage. And that's what catastrophic insurance is all about. And young people, if they get a catastrophic plan, then they are prepared for a worst-case scenario, but they're not paying for coverage that they're not going to need for another 40 years. It just makes sense. And I was so impressed. Linda talked to the governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant. And he actually picked up the phone, heard about Dr. Umber, and had a conversation with him. And I'm very impressed, Governor. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. How are oh, you,
6: Sean? Sir? Thank you. Look, I, I got a hold of Dr. Josh because of your show. Um, I, I took your advice. You know, governors can do that type of thing. We don't have to have a committee meeting, uh, and so we uh, we got a hold of Dr. <laughs> uh, by Josh. By the way
2: this is why this is why i love the south you know
6: it's called common sense go ahead keep going we just picked up the phone called him we googled him i actually put in um a doctor on sean hannity and uh and we found his location his number there in kentucky gave him a call what a great guy what a visionary and look i want that plan i I want to go to dr josh that's exactly what i would like to see for my family and a lot of families in mississippi now that that uh, because of Obamacare, are losing their insurance. They can't, ac- they can't afford it. They can't afford the copay. Uh, now, thank goodness the president of Congress now is working on the American Health Care Act, but uh, Dr. Josh, as he identified himself when I got him on the phone, he and I had about an hour-long conversation, and how exciting it was, Sean, you know, one of the things that we're, as governors, and, and there's 33 Republican governors, and we're, we're trying to convince Congress, look at this continuum of cost. It continues to go up. Uh, and so we're going to have to deal with the cost of health care no matter what plan is passed. No matter what plan we put on the president's desk, that's one of the most important things. And and Dr. Josh has a plan that I think can be replicated uh, across, and I hope to do so here in Mississippi, that can provide affordable primary health care, direct primary health care. It is an exciting thing for us as we look at changing Medicaid for all the better,
2: you know, Governor, I I never have had in my life any interest in politics, but those that govern well are worth their weight and then some in gold because they're serving the people. Elected officials are supposed to be public servants, so. You know, the fact that you took your own initiative and said, wait a minute, this sounds like a good idea. I might be able to duplicate this in my state of Mississippi and help the people of Mississippi get great coverage, great care at a lower price and, and help save lives is impressive to me. Now, I'm guessing that if, I was a, if I'm a governor like you and, and you had the initiative to spend an hour on the phone because you heard a great idea – then I would think the next step for you is maybe you'd bring in some of the biggest named doctors and have a big meeting at the old governor's mansion in Mississippi. and
6: <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, and to bring Josh in and have him, he said he would be glad to do so. Uh, to have him come to a meeting with our physicians, with some of our hospitals, with my Medicaid director, uh, with our insurance that covers state employees, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and say, oh, by the way, how can we help lower not only in Medicaid costs, but primary health care for all Mississippians, for corporations that might say, look, we want to take advantage of that. Uh, We want to put particularly a a, a guy that's got a mechanic's garage, he's fixing cars, he's got five employees, he can't furnish them health care, but he could use this plan to do so, uh, that is the next step. You know, Sean, I, I tell people that common sense is a superpower. And and we have it here. Uh, it's in a super rare
5: power. A well, super you know rare
6: what? power. So we are going to use that super power uh, as we go about working uh, with our congressman, uh, with the administration. Look, I I am a strong and vocal supporter of Donald J. Trump. We campaigned uh, with uh, Rick Perry and Mike Huckabee in Florida and in Pennsylvania, uh, and we we had him here in Mississippi with uh, Nigel Farage. Their first meeting. So. I know this can be done. I understand the sense of urgency that Donald J. Trump, President Trump, has for this. So we are trying, 19 of us governors who did not expand Medicaid, are trying to say we did the right thing. Uh, Four years ago, five years ago, we made that decision not to expand because we simply could not afford the matching fund from the state, and we knew one day it would be going away. We're trying to be really careful. We understand that states that did expand – um, have to have a transition period, but we don't think that can last into infinity. We we don't think that the 90 percent that Barack Obama had promised states that did expand, that 90 uh, expansion rate, 90 percent expansion rate, should continue uh, past a date certain. So we we are looking at the bill. We're talking uh to our members in congress um I-, I talked with secretary price what a remarkable guy uh, look the the openness and flexibility for i talked to the secretary yesterday and he said look if you want workforce training as mandatory, if you want that, send that waiver in. If you want co-pays, send that waiver in, and we'll review it and hopefully approve it. It's a new world. It is a remarkable opportunity for innovation for the aged, the infirm, the blind, the people that desperately will need Medicaid now and will need it into the future. So I'm encouraged, but the Republicans have got to hold together. We we have got to work for this president, this vice president, and, 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 and for this bill to get it to where we all can say, yes, I am for it, I am supporting it. And that's, that's my mission now as a governor and one of 19 uh, Republican governors that are trying to get this bill uh, to where it should be.
2: Do you, like me, are you disappointed that the Republicans rolled out this bill knowing – Every major conservative and libertarian think tank was against it, knowing the Freedom Caucus was against it, knowing that guys like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Senator Tom Cotton uh, from uh, a neighboring state, Arkansas, and Marco Rubio Mark were against Pettos, it. Mike, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, the Freedom Caucus guys, they uh, were all against it, and they rolled it out anyway. Don't you uh, think they got the heart cart before the horse? Don't you think they should have? <laughs> The,
6: Absolutely. You know. And, Sean, when I was lieutenant governor and now as governor, when I go into my Republican-controlled House and Senate, I still have differences. Look, they, 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 there are strong personalities among members of the Mississippi legislature, lieutenant governor, speaker, even with a Republican majority. But but if, I, if we are moving an initiative forward, uh, I am working with my leadership. I am reaching out to conservative organizations. Look, the liberals will not vote for me. I'm fairly convinced by now I'm not going to get a lot of liberal Democrats, and we have them here in Mississippi as well. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm not going to get their vote no matter what I do. In fact, if I am getting their vote, I'm a little bit concerned about what I am doing. So, But what I, I can do is put my supermajority of Republicans together, some that are more moderate than others, but I, I want to start from the right side of the political spectrum, and move move those moderates into uh, that conservative realm and 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 certainly um, reach out to the media, reach out to conservative organizations to and say look we 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 want to know what your thoughts are on this so I can mitigate the effect that they're going to have on that vote uh, and and yes i 'm a little bit surprised that it it it, it boom it was here um, i'm surprised that there there are Portions of the bill that would allow expansion into December 31st of 2019 and, and would pay the enhanced FMAP or the enma- uh, enhanced federal match for that—that's um, that, surprising to me. Uh, that this would encourage encourage expansion of states that did not expand and encourage further expansion in states that already have. So, yeah, that that's surprising. It, but but look. Uh, this, this, as we say, is like making sausage. If you want to, you know, if you like sausage or laws, don't watch either one of them being made. Uh, so this process is going to continue, uh, let the bill live another day. Let's pass it out of the house. Can I just, can I just
2: make, can we make a promo out of that? If you like sausage <laughs> or laws, you know, you don't want to see them being made. It's by the way, I've seen sausages being made. I know what it's like. And, and I still like them, by the way. <laughs> I do
6: you know, too. We love them, you know, I'll tell you ideas. what's impressive,
2: yeah. governor. I'm going to tell you what's impressive about you and what I like about talking to you is I my whole life, governor, have had a sense of urgency that everything needs to get done. I'm on radio and TV. Guess what? The light goes on. I've got to go. It's time to move. And you have that urgency. And the other thing I want to I want to give you a a big shout out for is your willingness to think anew and think out of the box. And you know what? The people of the great state of Mississippi, sir, uh, are very fortunate to have somebody with that passion, that urgency and that that thinking style because that's how you solve problems and make your state better for all of its citizens. I got to run here, but I want to just thank you for John, all of thank that. Thank
6: you so much. It's and believe me, with your help um, and, and w- with giving the real news, the real information out there, we're going to get this bill done and get it on President Trump's desk.
2: Thank you for what you do. Come see us. I'll come see you. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate right, it. Well, wow. why can't why can't the Republicans in D.C. be like that? So frustrating
1: up is next. You do not want to miss it. And stay tuned for the final hour free for all on the Sean Hannity Show.
0: What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year, for 2005. I believe this is the only set of the president's federal taxes that reporters have ever gotten a hold of. Uh, What we have are these two pages, front and back, from the same 1040 form that you might have filled out when you file your taxes. Um, And in terms of what's on here, let me give you the basics. Um, Aside from the numbers being large... Uh, These pages are straightforward. He paid uh, $38 million, looks like $38 million in taxes. Uh, He took a big write-down of $103 million. More on that later. Uh, If you add up the lines for income, he made more than $150 million in that year. Mazel tov. Uh, We got these pages. We got this document today from a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist who's better on financial matters than almost anybody else in the business. His name is David K. Johnston. Uh, These pages turned up the other day in his mailbox. David will join us live here in just a moment. Um, But because nobody has had the president's taxes before, we didn't know what to expect. Um, When we showed this 2005 return to the White House to ask him if it's real, uh, we sent this over to the White House tonight, and the White House responded basically with... Yep. So we have obtained Donald Trump's tax returns tonight. It's 1040 from the year 2005, the first time his federal tax returns have uh, been made public, have been obtained by any news organization uh, since he is a presidential candidate, let alone since he was president. They were obtained by investigative reporter David K. Johnston and his reporting shop, DCReport.org. These tax returns raise very interesting questions about how much the president's own proposed tax policies would improve his own personal bottom line. Uh, But they raise even more questions about what we haven't yet seen. Um, Trump is the first president since the Watergate era to refuse to release his taxes of his own accord, which makes this release, who knows where it came from, uh, both an interesting news development and potentially a historic one. With all of that, the concerns about whether he's going to be self-dealing in his tax policies, concerns about whether he might have lied or misrepresented his own financial circumstance during the campaign, concerns about whether or not he might have misstated things to the FEC. With all of that, there looms over all of this the big national security worry, right, the big almost existential worry. The greater concern, the worry, that this president may be financially beholden to an individual, to an institution, to a country, and now that he's president, We won't know if he tries to use the resources and power of our country to pay off that entity to whom he is beholden. We can't know any of that without getting his tax returns. That's why presidents release their tax returns. That's why there will continue to be unrelenting pressure to find Donald Trump's tax returns, to expose Donald Trump's tax returns. And that pressure will remain every single day that he remains as president, unless and until he releases them, the pressure will never let up. And that's why somebody has decided to leak a portion of his 2005 tax return, which is how and why we got it tonight. And I am sure it is only the start, but it's a start, and our little piece of it—we just got it. We'll go through it next. The
2: biggest epic fail of the alt-left propaganda destroyed Trump at all cost media in history. This this is going to be remembered forever. We got his tax returns, and 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 Donald Trump paid. million. He paid a, a higher rate than NBC News Comcast. He paid a higher rate than Romney, a higher rate than the Obamas by a long shot. A higher rate than Bernie Sanders. Oh, my God. I don't know what to say about this. As I called it, it's... You know what this is? You go back to the Access Hollywood tape, all the NBC News reporting. It's a jihad against the president. This is not a news organization anymore. This is a liberal media corporate jihad. And that's what I called it last night. Now, putting aside the legal aspects of this, the IRS code, Section 7213, makes the unauthor of any return or return information a felony... And by the way, I'm not talking about a news organization. But the idea, we found it in the mailbox. And look at this. He paid... $38 million in taxes. The breathlessness in which this was, this is what we have all been waiting for. They're tweeting out, Um, 2005, Donald Trump sold the property to a Russian oligarch. Now the Russians had to know that he was going to be president in 2017 and he'd be elected in 2016. But meanwhile, NBC News didn't think he had a shot in hell on, let's see, election day this uh, last year that he would win. And they were shocked and mortified when it happened. So I kept tweeting last night, Andy Lack, who's the president of NBC News. Um, wow, did the moon landing really occur? You know, did Andy Lack ever sell a property and make a a profit? I'd like to know the answer to that one. You know, it's this is more than the Twilight Zone. I don't think I laughed harder than I did last night an entire decade he only paid 38 million dollars in federal taxes and he took legal deductions there's a big breaking news story if i've ever heard one uh joining us now is joe concha he is with the hill he's a media reporter and uh what did you think of this epic fail last night pretty pretty spectacular if they're gonna they're gonna flop they're gonna go big
5: all i could think of sean was 1999 and we're about to go to new year's eve of 2000 remember y2k Everybody thought the world was going to end, and everybody's thinking, what happens when it becomes midnight? What, what, what's what's going to happen? And then the ball drops, and then nothing happened. And that's what this was. It was, we all we both, uh, like Geraldo, he's, he's a friend of yours for a long time. I've met him a couple times, seems like a nice guy. But this was Geraldo walking into Al Capone's vault and finding nothing. And that's what this was, because Rachel Maddow made it that way, Sean. She tweeted out, At 7.36 last night, an hour and a half before her program breaking, we've got Trump tax returns. Oh, what, you got 1995 to 2016? She made it sound like she had years of it, and that's what drew people in. She was top trending on Twitter, and then later she clarifies, no, no, we just have 2005, And then the White House, smartly enough, actually preempts her own scoop and sends out a copy of it before the show even begins. And then what you were left with was an hour. And I was on Tucker Carlson's show before yours uh, with Kimberly Gelfall before me, and we're both – kind of watching in different studios, and I kept waiting for this other shoe to drop, and it was a big nothing burger, and nothing happened. So, yes, you're right. This is probably going to re- be remembered as the 21st century version of the Al Capone ball. You know,
2: it's funny because I saw Geraldo on today, and they were showing old video of that, and Geraldo's one of my dearest friends. And, you know, to give Geraldo props and credit, he was totally making fun of it and, and having a good time with it, and it doesn't bother him at all. Yeah, and he, yeah, was, and he 30 did. 30 years
5: ago. Good for him. You know, if you can't but, laugh at yourself, what can you do?
2: Okay, but there's a bigger narrative and you've captured this in your column. I mean, it's doesn't it say a lot about what I've been saying? The mainstream media is not they're not fair, balanced, objective anymore. NBC News is like the Obama propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. They are the opposition party. And you know, yet the they, is
5: they, they and I'm sorry to interrupt you. It, when you say you know they're they're not objective, the problem is they think they're objective. In other words, let me read you a quote from from Rachel Maddow to the Associated Press just last week when she did an interview. She says, "People want to draft me as an activist all the time. Ascribe that role to me. I'm not." The role I know I'm not is that I stopped doing that in order it's not quite English, but the the reason I know I'm not is that I stopped doing that in order to be the person who explained the news and delivered the news instead. It's a very clear line to me. In other words, she's actually portraying herself as a news anchor, somebody free of agenda. Free of partisanship, and anybody who watches that show, the Democrat will tell you that that obviously is not the case. So somehow she believes that she's objective. And look, you're honest with who you are. You're an opinion guy. You're a pundit. You give opinions. You're not a journalist. You're here to talk about things and give your opinion. Hey, that's Joe, what you're paid for I am, I am a television. talk show host. But you right. know, and, it, but, by, by it, being transparent, people will respect you more than when you try to insist that you're objective. That's a little you're scary.
2: If she if she really thinks that she is a news person, that's a little frightening. I mean, because that's just so far off base that, wow, that's actually a little bit chilling. That's a just a disconnect from reality that goes a little bit too far for me. But, you know, it's a lot deeper than all of this, too. I mean, here we are. When did the Russian narrative start? Before the election. Remember, Hillary tweeted out about it, and, and Harry Reid, you know, sent a letter about it. And they had been tipped off. And all the leaks that have occurred from the deep state— and. You know, all of the breathless, hysterical reporting that has gone on on CNN and NBC on a regular basis about a Russian collusion story with the Trump organization, and it never happened. And then you get really solid reporters like John Solomon, 20 years AP, and somebody like Sarah Carter, and they break a story that, no— the uh, law enforcement looked into it, there are actually two warrants looking into the whole Russian story and no no evidence at all, as James Clapper had said, the national director of intelligence, that the Russians impacted our election. None. And yet they still keep going with it.
5: Yeah, Clapper said that on national television. He says, I have seen... No collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And, and, and that story got ignored almost. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, that should be check and mate, right? And no, <laughs> it keeps going on. And here's the irony. Everybody who is screaming for Trump to provide evidence that President Obama wiretapped Trump Tower has the same mantra, and that is, where's your evidence? Show us your evidence. Why don't you have evidence? Okay, well, Well, I've
2: got evidence. How about the New
1: York Times? Where
5: is the evidence around Russia? Show me the evidence. Not that Flynn had a conversation or Sessions had a conversation, as senators do. Show me a dot that connects me from Trump. To Russia and affecting the election, and I cannot find it, and I want to see evidence around that, or else the story has to go away. Well,
2: I think Trump could actually cite the New York Times, January nineteenth or twentieth, whatever the date was, when they used the word wiretap, as the BBC did, as uh, McClatchy did, and as many others in cable even reported. You know, so th- they were the ones that were saying wiretap. Now, it, it has come to my attention, and if you look do a deep d- deep dig into what Solomon and Carter are reporting, I actually think what they have found is. Fascinating fascinating and i keep asking them is anybody else besides me asking you about what you're reporting considering you've got credentials as news people going back decades and they say no because it defeats their narrative all right hang on one second we'll take a break we'll come back we'll continue with joe concha here uh
1: are you ready to get out of the media spin room well you come to the right place this is the sean hannity show
2: we continue, Joe Concha is a media reporter with The Hill, and we're talking about all the, the fake news phenomenon that now exists in the country. Do you think, how come nobody in the media, well, I guess I know the answer to my own question, but how come nobody covered the collusion and the discovery of WikiLeaks of collusion on a large scale,
5: because everybody's friends with each other in this business and you see it on Twitter. Just go on to Twitter. And everybody's retweeting. Everybody's old columns out all day and patting each other on the back. So when it was time to call out a Glenn Thrush who passed on on several occasions stories in advance, in other words, advance approval to the Clinton campaign, and then he gets hired by the New York Times, actually gets a promotion from Politico. Uh, well, no one wants to do that because everybody thinks Glenn's a swell guy, and he hosts a podcast, and I want to make sure I can get an opportunity to go on there, or John Harwood with CNBC, or you could go on Donna Brazile. She's, all I kept hearing was, she's the nicest person. She is, I agree, but she did pass along debate questions to a presidential candidate not once but twice, and everybody's afraid to call everybody out because it's like, boy, I don't want to throw my friend under the bus, and I'm sorry. you got to be like a doctor in these situations, take emotion out of it, and just take care of the patient. Do your job. That's it. Uh, and you're saying something
2: gone. that's really – you're saying something profound because I see this on Twitter. I mean all the media reporters all retweet themselves all day and all the, the supposed reporter reporters, they want the media reporters to cover how great they are. So they retweet each other. And these are the same people in the swamp that go drink and, and hook up with each other on a regular basis. And it's like you're the only – you're like an island out there, Joe. You're you're on your own. You call them out, and they hate your guts for it. <laughs>
5: And actually, a fairly you know easy guy to get along with, and I'm in a softball league, and I play the beer pong and all that. But you know, there's a scene in Die Hard Two. By the way,
2: I'll kill you and I'll kill you in beer pong. I'm great at beer pong.
5: That I will take you up on, and you will you uh, will you, not
2: be standing at the end of the night.
5: Well, that's usually the case, whether I'm winning or losing. But I, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a scene in Die Hard Two where John McClane's about to throw off a, a guy from a plane, and and the bad guy says. It's a shame I have to kill you, McLean. I was starting to like you. And McLean says, I got enough friends. And then kicks him in the face and he ends up in the propeller. That's me. I got enough friends. Outside of this business, I don't need to be liked. I just want to do my job. And if I if I do get along with some people, fine. But I'm still going to call you out on it. You screw up, Hannity. I'm, I'm on it. Trust me. Uh, I think, you're I think but, but, you've already
2: done that, by the way, over the years at some points.
5: I have an archive and people can see that. Uh, but I try to be fair and I, I don't try to be cynical. And well, you know, listen, like so I are.
2: seem to be a favorite target of a number of these people and, and it just amuses me because i'm like you i don't give a flying rip what any of these people think i don't you know i keep saying everybody in news cable news is lazy overpaid rigidly ideological and they're phonies and they don't do their job and you know i say that and then people write that means you're overpaid and i'm like yeah i plead guilty i admit it but i'm not going to give it back um and i think the 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 difference is, is I feel that I'm more honest with my audience, and I honestly believe in my heart of hearts, Joe, that I take it as my mission every day. I really don't like America's precipitous decline, and I'm really hoping that we can reverse it. I believe conservatism is the answer. I try to explain it to the best of my ability. Now, part of being a talk show host, sometimes I do do straight interviews with, like, the Prime Minister of Israel or, or maybe Musharraf when I interviewed him, or, God forbid, you know, before her death, Benazir Bhutto. Yeah, I'll do a straight interview with some people even some politicians sometimes but then we'll do debate segments then we'll do segments where i'm trying to make my point and and prove my point and i i do opening monologues that that try to get there but i'm honest they say they're objective they're not
5: yeah, just be transparent of who you are. That's all. You're an opinion person. Say you are. You're an anchor. Then be an anchor and don't be like Jorge Ramos, who just won a Walter Cronkite Award, by the way, uh, for 2017. By the way, when did he, you, the who else? Who else got that award? Everyone was a liberal. Uh, uh, Katie Turk got it from MSNBC. Jake Tapper got it from CNN. And uh, Reliable Sources, a uh, media fair show on CNN with Brian Stelter, they, they all uh, won as well. So uh, take with that as you will. But let me let me say uh, one one thing. You mean Jeff Sucker,
2: stenographer, that guy?
5: I, I that that is your character. By the way, it I is. It is, it
2: is. It is the biggest joke on the face of these the earth. There's no four people that are the opposite of Walter Cronkite for crying out loud.
5: Uh, it, it's it's an award that I, I I don't know what to say. I mean I I really focused on Ramos in, in a column earlier this this week and you can't be an activist and say then you're an anchor for Univision at the same time. You, you have to change your LinkedIn page and say, now I'm the opinion guy or oh I'm going to go out and go on marches and be a protester or an activist. But you can't then still sit there and, and present news as fact when it's your opinion. That that's such a problem, and the fact that we're honoring that behavior is, is unsettling. Remember, Ramos said last year that neutrality is not an option when it comes to covering Donald Trump. It's the opposite of everything they teach in journalism school. But let me give you one more point where you have to go.
2: Yeah, I, I, don't, I actually Chris don't Ross. have time. I have to go. Uh, oh, Joe, great segment. Right. <laughs> you got <laughs> cut you. off. <laughs> you know what? Now he's going to write a nasty column about me. I can see it coming. All right, Joe, Concha with The Hill. Thank you. Sean Hannity. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. You want to call me? Feel free. 800 941 Sean. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. And uh, let's get to our busy phones. Uh, We've not had enough time for calls lately. So much out there in the news. All right. KC is in the great state of Utah. KC, hi. How are you? Glad you called. I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call, Sean. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it. What's happening?
7: Um, so I'm glad that the fight for the new health care bill is out in the open uh, so we can get public comment early. Uh, I'm glad we're not doing the whole wait to pass it before you can read it. However, the bill is still, I mean, it's garbage. The way it sits yeah, right now, it it really is nothing special. And if anything, it, it's just as bad in different ways as Obamacare.
2: It's Listen, it's beyond disappointing to me. And, you know, it's it's what's frustrating to me more than anything else is, you know, we've got to ask ourselves a question here. And to me, there is absolutely no excuse at all whatsoever that after eight years of talking and preaching and, and promising that they weren't ready for this moment. And they knew the moment was coming since November the 9th.
7: I and agree. What as, as a true conservative and as an entire – now that we have a majority House and a majority Senate and every single one of those people – ran on repealing and replacing Obamacare as one of their main platforms, and not a single one of them had a plan ready over eight years is infuriating to me.
2: Well, that's not that part is not true. There were nine different plans out there. They had some similarities. They all had the health savings accounts, and they all had a different approach to it. You know, one of the things that the president said the other day is, is something I really agree with, and that is these new paradigms, these new models can emerge. And, and hence, I repeat myself, and I go back to Atlas MD and Dr. Josh Umber and the fact that his practice has been duplicated all around the country successfully. And that's, you know, you have 24-7 medical care, and it's it's just a great, great model, 50 bucks a month for an adult, 10 bucks a month for kids you know anything extra is is minimally a minimal cost to you 90% 95% reductions on pharmaceuticals 95% reduction on on x-rays and things like that you couple that with a, a catastrophic plan with a fairly high deductible and you've got a cheap health care plan that and a doctor at your avail 24/7 you know i just it's frustrating to me and and i do believe those things will will emerge. Um, The frustrating thing to me is they knew this opposition existed, and they just made a decision that they didn't care and that they were going to go out there and they were going to ignore all of the conservatives within their caucus, assuming that they could do enough arm twisting and and put enough pressure on them and then run ads in their districts and get them to capitulate. And I don't think it's going to happen that way. Now, one or two things is going to happen. It's either going to be an epic fail and an embarrassment, and I think they will at that point have, they have done a great disservice to the president. Now, the president doesn't write bills. Congress's job is to write and to pass bills, but, you know, they're working with, they know what the the president's principles are on this, and I know the president supports aspects of this, but, you know, it seems that the leadership in, in the House and Senate have been reluctant and resistant to talk to the opposition within their own ranks. And the person that has to do all the heavy lifting now and try and fix the mess they created is the president and vice president. And, and you know what, he's got other things he needs to be doing too. And uh, my argument is, is they could have had all of these disagreements worked out in private instead of this civil war that's broken out on the airwaves because of this. And I think they've done a disservice to the president. Now, if he cleans it up, it'll be a feather in his cap. It's very possible to do so but it's going to take amendments and a lot of hard work I'd prefer most of it be behind the scenes and then they can get this done and hopefully that'll happen anyway good call appreciate it 80941 Sean you want to be a part of the program all right let's go to Kelly he is in Charlottesville in Virginia hi kelly how are you we're glad you called
7: Hi, Sean, and thanks for taking my call. And I would say on behalf of our president, thank you for making talk radio great again.
2: <laughs> You're very kind to say so. I'm not – listen, we're, we're, try, we're doing our part here, and we're holding them accountable. And so, anyway, what's going on? Well, you know,
7: well, Sean, what I'd like to see is when the Trump administration does tax reform, that they repeal the words federal and government from programs and replace them with "taxpayer." So when we see something like the federal student loan program, it would actually be the taxpayer student loan program or government subsidized housing would become taxpayer subsidized housing. I just think there's too many people that think that the government has endless amounts of money and they have no money except our money. And I think we really need to, I guess I should say, reeducate the Democrats and the liberal media on this point.
2: Listen, the president is doing some amazing and fundamental basic and necessary things as it relates to limiting the size and scope and influence of of government. One is the hiring freeze. Two is they're going to pare down the federal workforce. Three is we're going to cut by over 50 percent the money that we're giving to the United Nations. Four is he's going through every single cabinet position, every single bureaucracy, and he's willing to – to have significant, real, dramatic cuts to limit the size, scope, and influence of government. Add to that getting rid of regulations. If we can ever get to this tax bill, which I think is priority one right after we get finished with Obamacare, uh, repeal, replace, then, you know, things are going to be moving in the right direction. And that's what's so frustrating. You know, imagine if the president would have been able to come out, they had hammered out all their differences behind the scenes – it's No bill is going to be perfect. No no one congressman or senator is going to get everything they want. But if they built a consensus that would work for the American people, drive down costs, increase competition, create incentives for, for new paradigms to emerge like in Wichita, Kansas, then we'd all be better off and it would have been an immediate win. Now they, they are at risk of having this not pass because of their stubbornness. And at that point, it it becomes an epic fail and it will be an embarrassment they have created for the president. But it's really an embarrassment for themselves. And it's sad that the president now is wasting all of his time now trying to fix this mess. I don't blame him. He's not in charge of the legislative branch of government. He's in charge of the executive branch. And they knew this opposition existed. We telegraphed it for weeks before they released it. I told a lot of people Behind the scenes, what existed? So this was not a surprise to them. Anyway, let's get to our phones. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. As we say hi, Jill, Silver City, North Carolina. Jill, how are you? Glad you called.
8: I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I got through. Um, Sean, I just wanted to say I hear so many people say, "Can we have? Can we have them make a plan, and they have to use the plan that they are asking us to use."
2: It has to be that way
8: for it has them to, to be. do.
2: It has to be that way, and if they don't get that, then honestly, they've learned nothing about the mood of the American people because the I American people you, are I sick of those games. They
8: would, they would make the dog food taste a lot better if they made, if they had to eat it.
2: <laughs> the dog food feel. So we're getting dog food for health care. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something that I do in my life. I, I, look, I have. I think two health care plans. I'll be honest. I don't really like to go to the doctor. Okay, I've been blessed with pretty good health. Knock on wood my whole life. Um, Some of my best friends are doctors. I just happen to be fortunate and and people that I really, really deeply and profoundly admire. You know, every one of them I know of instances and I sit in fascination if we, you know, go out to lunch or dinner and, and we talk and I ask them about how work is going and, Tell me the interesting cases you have. All of them have saved people's lives because of their skill, their education, their hard work, their dedication. They've all saved people's lives. Fathers are on this earth raising their children because of the great work that they do. Now, it, so what, what's amazing in, in this whole process, they are really, really good people. But I am so sick and tired of dealing with the health care companies. Now, I use it Uh for my family. I basically call my buddy and I say, all right, well, he really traps me is what happens in reality. You know, I'll go and we'll be hanging out and he'll stop by his office on a Saturday and drag me up there and and give me an echocardiogram, an EKG, make me run on the stress test thing and and check my blood pressure and do all that stuff and take my blood while I'm there. And I don't know if he uses my insurance. I I have no idea. And I just find ways myself – to pay back his kindness to a friend. Does that make sense? So, you know, if it was 3 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't get out of bed, he'd come see me. But most people don't have that. But these cooperatives that I keep talking about, they're available at a price that 90% of people can afford. I think most people can afford 50 bucks a month as an adult for unlimited health care. In other words, that, that's what we call the concierge service in medicine. And that's why I have been pushing this so hard because that's what I would want. I, I want when I call my doctor friend, I want him to pick up the phone and, and tell me I'm going to live. I want my doctor friend to say, "Oh, no problem, I'll come on by now. And I have that at a friendship, but they, the, the cooperatives that they built around the country are there on a business model that works. And doctors that are dedicated to helping their patients. Now, the reason I think it works is most people – look, do you, how many times a year do you go, Jill, to a doctor?
8: Um, probably four. four. Four?
2: Okay, four times a year. You know what? Let's say the average person goes four times a year or the average guy like me goes once every two years and it's only because my doctor makes me go. So – I, unless something happens, even though you have unlimited care in a cooperative, you're not going to spend your day at the doctor unless you're a hypochondriac. And then they'll right. probably give you happy pills for that. So you know what? It it works because most people don't go when they stub their toe. You know, I, I recently, well, recently meaning a couple of years ago, I had purchased a really, really good knife that I carry. I carry a blade. And It's it's just the perfect right within the law in New York, which I believe is what four inches or four and a half inches. I forget. And so anyway, you're not allowed to have a switchblade. So I'm really working at trying to break it in so I can if I ever needed it, I'd be able to pull it out. Okay, so dopey me, you know, wasn't paying attention and I dropped it on my leg and it went down like four inches. I still didn't go to the doctor. I just I just had my son come in and and had him get me a bunch of Band-Aids and I put a butterfly stitch up there myself and I could, that's how much I have a disdain for wanting to go to the doctor. Does that make sense?
8: Well, you did the suck it up Band-Aid move.
2: Yeah, it's, exactly. Well, are you married? Do you have a boyfriend or something?
8: Oh, I'm married, yes, with children. Okay.
2: And how many times do you have to tell your husband to go to the doctor every three years?
8: Well, yeah, right. Um, he doesn't
2: want to go, right? The, the typical guy doesn't want to go to the doctor.
8: Well, yeah, right.
2: Yeah. I mean, and women are well, I do, far more Well, I do
8: have another idea. I do have another idea we could okay. take the federal money we could take the federal money that we need to take away from the sanctuary cities that have no common sense anymore right and we could use that money to try to maybe fix some of this
2: right well look i think there's a lot of a lot of answer solutions out there the freedom caucus brand paul all these guys have good ideas and that's why i say go into a conference room take away everybody's phone lock the door and don't come out till you're done do your job I mean, that's what we do every day. We all have to do our jobs in life. anyway, I appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. Good call eight hundred nine four one Sean, a toll-free telephone number. you want to be a part of the program. you know i I will tell you that the the beauty of the free market, which is what we as conservatives believe in, and there's there are ways to help. The poor, the indigent, the elderly, the sick that don't have the means to take care of themselves. We're not going to let people die on the street. We never did before. The, the The beauty of the free market is those companies want your business. They want your dollars. They want your money. And the way they're going to get it is to offer you a better plan at a lower price. And then you tell your friends. And then you tell your relatives. And then you tell everybody what a great doctor and what a great plan you have. And then it grows exponentially. That's the beauty of, and the upside of a free market. It's going to take years for it actually to take root and, and, and show the, the benefits that we're talking
1: about, though. Digging D to expose how the government wastes your money each and every day, this is The
6: Sean Hannity Show.
1: Who does Sean Hannity choose when diversifying his savings with gold and silver? None other than the top-rated precious metals company, Goldco. Goldco is a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped tens of thousands of Americans place over $2 billion in gold and silver. They're Sean Hannity's top choice. And right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. Born from the tragedy of 9-11-01,
2: the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they made a promise to ensure that we never forget. And since then, they have been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. And that's heroes like U.S. Army specialist Michael Hook. Now, Michael Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. Now, he had enlisted in the military after graduating high school. He left behind a pregnant fiance who gave birth to a son that sadly he would never meet. And thanks to the generosity of listeners like you, Tunnel to Towers was able to pay off their mortgage on their family home, and that relieved the financial burden and brought that family stability. This is what they do every day. They help Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's catastrophically injured heroes, and they also help homeless veterans. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity and commit to 11 bucks a month. You do it by going to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number two. The letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now qualifying plans start at just thirty-five bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, fifteen gigs of data, and of course mobile hotspot. Just go to PureTalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free your brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk.